0: Go to the book of. Uh, what book should we go? Matthew chapter seventeen. Matthew chapter seventeen. Oh, it's already there. Matthew chapter seventeen. And we're going to start with verse one. What we what we've been uh, what we've been endeavoring to talk about is. Uh, where, where we're at in this. The Lord gave me a word at the beginning of this year. And he said that, now, I, I didn't know, you know, I typically, uh, you know, people will say the word, you know, people will say, man, God's speaking and the word for this year is, you know, this and thus or so, they'll, they'll, they'll say a word. But um, I didn't hear nothing like that until we were in revival. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this would be a year of completion. A year of complete, which is why on our shirts we have uh, uh, the uh, scripture out of the book of Philippians, verse 1 through 6, it says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Thank you. Thank you, Marissa. Uh, Will bring it to completion. So there's a work that God has begun in us that he wants to bring to complete. Do you know God doesn't want you to be just a starter. He wants you to be a finisher. Amen. Say this with me. Say, God doesn't want me just to start. He wants me to finish. But you know, there are a lot of people that are good starters, but they're not good finishers. In fact, people, most people, it, it is rather cold in here. I don't know what you guys have put the uh, AC on. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be any lower than a, a 70. No, it shouldn't be no 65. Dear God about to send somebody the bill, that's what I'm about to do, uh, 72, anyhow, um, 72 or 73, I can't remember which one we put it on, I don't remember, hey, listen, bring a, bring a hanky, wipe the sweat off your brow, my God, I'm a... oh, does she, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, she come to church, put it on 65, she go home, crank it up to 90, you go to Marissa's house, you got you to gotta wipe the sweat off your mouth before you take a bite. Bu- <laughs> She's like, hey, if you come after 10, it's nice and cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, people typically aren't good finishers. Um, I, you know, you, you hear you hear uh, building contractors. I bet Michael and uh, Eric and, and different ones that work in that kind of business have have stories to tell, where people start a project in their house and, or they'll, they'll start a house. And if they move in before it's completion, most of the time it never gets finished The you know, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to do the, we're going to finish the basement later. We'll do the laundry room later. We'll finish that later. And so once you start to inhabit and you get in there, most of the time, if you haven't finished it, it will, it will, it will go unfinished and years, 10, 15, 20 years, 20 years later. And in your mind, you really thinking, I got a bathroom right now that we redid. We redid the uh, the shower and um, and whatnot. I was like, well, you know what? Let's just let's just get that done and then we'll we'll finish it. Yeah, it was 10 years ago we said we was gonna finish. I still haven't painted that uh, trim and repainted that area where we had to do and that's all that's left undone, but it's undone. It's undone. <laughs> Glory to God! But God, God, uh, God knows that that's the that's the nature of man. We don't we don't typically uh, finish the things that we start. Some of you. You know, you started in a church. God sent you to a church or to some fellowship. I see this happen all the time. People say, "Man, the Lord sent me here." Uh, there have been people that have come to Winter's Church that said that. Man, God sent us here. Praise God, He sent us here. And and Amen. Good. So so if God sent you here, then He sent you here, uh, you know, for a purpose. If if there was a beginning, then there's something that He intends for you to. There's an assignment. There's an assignment. Well, some people come and go from a church and they never even begin their assignment. All they manage to do is to come and to lift their hands and to sing a song and, and uh, you, know, do, do their, you know, do whatever it is that they do. But many of them never finish their assignment. And it's not now we got to quit using the excuse that there are no good churches. Y'all just walked into a good church. You gotta quit using that. He "Well, there, man, I've searched the world over. You know, sound like you sound like an old yeehaw song. Where oh where are you tonight? How could you leave me here all alone? Uh, that, that's how we're kind of like how we're singing to the Lord. I've searched the world over, you know. You met another and <laughs> you was gone. <laughs> Hispanics watching yeehaw. Can you imagine that? Anyway." I don't know why my family made me <laughs> But there's a lot. Of, we got to quit using that excuse. Because how many of you know that even if you're not in a, come on, somebody, even if you're not in a good place, God can advance you. You mean you mean you mean every circumstance of your life and every place that you go has to be absolutely perfect in order for you to advance spiritually in God? Is that really what the Bible teaches? That everything has to be perfect and hunky dory, and you have to be comfortable, and everyone has to, everything has to be right, and the people that you're around they have to be just right. You know, I mean, it has to be just the perfect thing. Because if you don't have the perfect environment, then you're not going to grow. Really, you know, the Bible teaches something altogether different. God will take you places where there, where you experience uh, difficulty, and trouble, where where uh, you you experience discomfort. Heck, the first time you met God, He didn't make you comfortable. That's right. That's right. Come on. God has a history of making people uncomfortable. Come on. First time you meet Him, He makes you un- Well, you know, I love this church, but it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, so you're determining that your discomfort has to do with the Lord? That God's trying to move you out of here because you're not comfortable? Oh, you know, I struggle in worship when I come. And... That's because you're in this church? I had someone tell me that. There's just a darkness that comes over me. I'm like, really? You let that happen? Because when, when darkness try to come on me, I get in the light. That's right. The Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If you've got a darkness problem, it's not, the, it's not the church's fault, not your mama's fault, not your daddy's fault. It's not your nappy-headed granny's fault. Amen. See, we gotta, we got to get to that place. We, we've got to determine that we're not just going to start this thing and when, it's, when w- the weather is fair and when there's no difficulties and when there's no struggle. When there's a, it's not that God brings difficulties. It's that there, difficulties exist in the world. Church, you're not, you're not going to escape difficulty. You, you go to every church in Oklahoma City, you're not going to escape difficulty. You can leave Oklahoma City and move to Norman. Go to every church there. You're not going to escape difficult. In fact, you can move halfway across the world, and you're, you're going to find that the difficulties that you faced in the United States, you're going to face in Germany. Because the difficulties aren't in your geographical location. The difficulties exist between your two ears. Amen. Amen. So we we've got we've got to we we've, we've got to start thinking about completion right. Amen. instead of thinking about instead instead of thinking about running every time things get hard. Right. Right. Instead of thinking about changing your in your uh, geographical location when things get tough. You know, wouldn't it be better if you learned how to navigate if you learned how to live high above the difficulty? Right. Amen. To live high above the trouble, above the circumstances, that no matter what the environment was, you could live for God and and have fullness of joy, that you could fulfill God's purpose and complete your assignment, no matter who was sitting next to you, no matter what it was that they said about you. That's right. Can I can I can I talk about something that I and I I'm it's uh, some of you here might get uncomfortable. I know some of you like man, be careful what you say to pastor. It'll make it into a sermon. They're right. They're right. Now, I probably won't say your name unless, you know, less it seems appropriate. But remember, nobody knows it's you that I'm talking about. So don't get mad at me. Nobody knows. Now, <laughs> see, some people get nervous right now. Who's he going to talk about now? Well, I did. I, have a, I had a talk with someone in our church one time. This was years ago. And they said, Pastor, there's someone who is in the leadership of this church that is gossiping about me. And this person is a gossip they gossip gossip that's all they do is they talk about people and pastor i just i think that you as the as the as leader of our church you ought to know about it and i i don't think that you'd allow that to happen under your tenure of leadership i don't think that that really reflects well on um on your leadership that one of your leaders would be such a gossip and it's you know it really it's wounded me and my i mean i'm taking some liberty here uh it's it's really wounded me in my heart it's it's, it's, it's broad. And um, I just want to I just want to I'm just curious how you're going to how you're going to handle this, because I think something needs to be done. I said, well, let's start right now and let's start with you, with me. I said, yes, yeah, with you. Well, but I'm not the gossip. I said, yeah, but here's the thing. You know what? Everywhere you go, there's going to be gossip. And so you know, what I, you know what I've decided to do? Instead of trying to shut down something that has never been, no one has ever had any success shutting down, which is gossip. Instead of trying to quit, keep gossipers from gossiping, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach you how to live in victory in spite of the gossip. Doesn't that make more sense? you know what some people like we need to do something about these tornadoes listen you're not going to do a thing about these tornadoes you're not going to stop them you're not going to determine I know somebody say yep we have authority over the weather." I know you have authority over the weather take all the authority over the weather that you want to take I do it regular you ought to do it regular the thing is is that God's got some people that are actually praying for your house to get hit with hail I won't mention any names, but they happen to attend this church. And they they want your house to get pelted with hail so they can come and they can repair it. Amen. It's, it stim, stimulates the economy. That's just a part of the... And, you know, so there's some people that are like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And then you got others that are like, shut up. Lord, send a big one in the name of Jesus. <laughs> But, but here, here's the honest truth. We're not going to do nothing. We're not going to do nothing about that. You know, but you know what we can do? We can learn how to survive through a tornado. You know how not to survive? Going out your front door. Standing on your porch. <laughs> Standing on your porch with your phone out, out like this. <laughs> Getting in your car, chasing after the thing. You know, your 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 chances go down exponentially when you when you don't do what has been proven to protect you during a stormlight. like y'all understand what I'm saying, but see, the church is the only place where we try to fix things that'll never be fixed. Come on. Instead of teaching people how to live in victory over them, oh, yeah. we 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 have a tendency to. Uh, to equip people to start but we don't equip them with the tools necessary for them to finish right. whoa right. boy I'm on it right now amen now I know I know some of y'all want me to get up here and froth at the mouth and spit you about 17 a million scriptures so that you can leave here and say oh that was good that's not gonna be the service maybe maybe not maybe the last 10 minutes Heck, I might swing from that chandelier yet. Amen. But anyhow, so this this scripture is really talking about finishing. After six days, Jesus taketh with... Did I tell you where it was at? Matthew chapter 17. I know it took me a minute to get there. Matthew chapter 17. Oh my goodness, it took me longer than I thought. Uh, Start with verse 1. After six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John his brother and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart and he was transfigured before them now the first thing i want you to notice is this now again we we've already covered this but just for the sake of those who haven't been here for some of this that i that i've been teaching preaching um, Notice how not all the disciples were there, only a fourth of the disciples, only a quarter of the disciples were there to witness Jesus being transfigured. One of the things that I've I've been trying to get people to understand, and I I talked about this in Queen City last week when we were there. By the way, we had an outstanding revival meeting in Queen City, it was amazing. Um, I shared this with them like I shared it with y'all. Only other place I've been sharing the stuff I share with y'all, but I, I shared it with them. Only a quarter of the disciples were there. We have this idea that uh, God is going to be fair in the way that He disperses encounters with Him. We get this idea that if God, you know, for example, during when we were here at the beginning of this year, every night we were gathering... And God was touching people. And there would be times that people would leave this building. And like my wife, God, God wrecked her and she laid up in a heap up here in the front of this, tr- right here in this area right here. She, uh, she laid here in a heap under the power of God. I mean, God touched her and she was wrecked. She could barely speak English. Uh, the spirit of God was on her so so strong. She could only speak in an unknown tongue, And when she did talk English, she could do nothing but cry and weep. And I'm talking to her. I'm like, well, you know, what's going on? What's that? And she's like, man, God's just touching me. It was, just, it was amazing what the Lord was doing with her. Now, you know what? About, about, uh, about a week into that revival, because we met every day after that, uh, we just couldn't quit gathering. But about a week after, she said, you know, I'm thinking that there were some people that were in that meeting that didn't experience the same thing that I did. I was like, you think? I said, I don't think I know. I watched people walk out of the building, and, I, and I've seen this happen over and over again in many, many churches that I've gone to, where there's some people, they, you know, Cherie, she got her shout on up here. I know some people looked at her like, what's, on, what's, what's she going on about? Well, you know, she was getting over there, and and I reckon, you know, I'm going to hear about it, but I, I reckon the fire touched her, the fire of God. Now, you know what? Some of you, I can tell, I am I can tell by looking at you, some of you can Some of you having dreams and visions, but it's not godly dreams and visions. Some of you dreaming and envisioning about what you're going to eat after this service. Different, different people are engaged at different levels. Right. You know, there's some of us where, where, where uh, we're hearing this and we're listening and we're, where, uh, we're waiting on, on the point, and I will get to it. <laughs> You're waiting on the point, <laughs> but at yeah, the very least, you're engaged. But there's but there's some people, there's some people. They came they came during that revival time. Spirit of God broke out, and man, they didn't they didn't receive a touch like everybody else received. Ahead, and historically, or you know, in the past, when people don't receive the same thing someone else did, they leave disappointed. They leave and they question, why didn't God touch me the way he touched them? Why didn't I experience what that person experienced? Then you know, what, you know what that leads to? That leads us to questioning the validity of what we saw God do for somebody else. Because if God touched them, and I know I love the Lord, and he didn't touch me, and I know I pray, and he touched her, but he didn't touch me. Well, you know what? If he didn't touch me, then that must mean she was just putting on. Because I know the presence of God, and I didn't experience the presence of God like that there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's a lot of people that have questioned the validity of what God does in different people and in different places. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I've gotten up in front of y'all, and I, I believe you all have gotten this impression when I've talked about, hey, you know... Um, when we've, when we've gone to special meetings or special services, and, or we've had special meetings and special services, and I've encouraged you, be careful. Discern, you know, discern what's happening by the Spirit. Don't get caught up, you know, just in what you think you see. But really let the Spirit of God work in you. And if the, and if the Spirit of God puts a caution in you, If a red flag goes up, and I'm not talking about you you didn't experience what everybody else experienced so it wasn't God. No, I'm talking about sometimes the Holy Ghost will throw up red flags in your heart and in your spirit over something that's going on in a meeting or in a service. and, and And those people might be good godly people, but there might be something he don't want you to touch. There might be something he don't want you to mess with. And so he'll be like, leave that alone. I better get up out of here. Well, no, you may not need to get up out of there, but you may need to leave alone what he told you to leave alone. Someone might speak a word over you prophetically. Listen, I went, I went to a service one time here in, uh, here in Oklahoma City. It was uh, after we started the church, and we just happened to have a, uh, I can't remember what, what had happened that day, but anyway, we went to about three different services on a Sunday morning, me and Pastor Mikey. We started at one church that was over here by the gate, A friend of mine attended that church. Uh, I I think it's Pentecostal Holiness Church. Anyway, we went. Great service. We enjoyed ourselves. And I knew of another church that was having service at a later time. Well, we got out of that service early enough that we could make the second that that church that church's uh, service. So we went to the other church. Well, when we got to that church, there was a fellow there, and he had a he had he was a prophet, and so he got up there and he had some words for people. So he looks over at pastor. You know, Pastor Mikey, and he has a word for Pastor Mikey. And he says to Pastor Mikey, um, he looked, because he knew, he was familiar with me. He knew I was in ministry. He knew I was pastoring a church. Um, He didn't know who Pastor Mikey was. So he looks at Pastor Mikey and he says this He says, You've been faithful. I thought, Yeah, mm hmm, amen. Uh, Son, my hand is upon you. I have anointed you for ministry. I was like, Mm hmm, amen, amen. And he says, uh, yeah, she thought I was talking to her. She thought I was talking to her. I know, man. She did that. My, my Siri does it. My Siri does that all the time, button in when she don't need to. Anyhow. Yeah, then, then, then argue with me. <laughs> I tried to win her to the Lord. She's not, she's not very... <laughs> I figure she's from where, you know. Anyway, but anyhow. So... So so this guy says, then he says this to Pastor Mikey. He says, tuck in, stay submitted to the man of God, and one day God will bless you, and he'll put you in full-time ministry. And he'll use you. And this is where he started going off into left field. Because Pastor Mikey been in full-time ministry uh, just a few years short of how, you know, as long as I've been in ministry. I mean, Pastor Mikey's in ministry maybe five years less than I was in full-time ministry. And uh, maybe five or six years. And so, so he's talking to Pastor Mikey like Pastor Mikey is just like an armor bearer. Someone that hangs out with me that hopes to do ministry but doesn't do ministry. Well, you know, I appreciated how Pastor Mikey handled those situations. Pastor Mikey just said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I don't handle those situations quite like Pastor Mikey does. I looked over at Pastor Mikey. I was like, that was wrong. That was wrong. That's not, that wasn't the Lord. I mean, Pastor Mikey's like, well, you know, he tried. I'm like, I know, but (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of people trying. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. you, know, you know why some people can miss it like that? Because they're good starters, but they're not good finishers. Because they got a part of what God has for them, but they didn't let God fill in the rest. You know, we're undone when we don't let God complete the work. Listen, anybody ever make brownies around here? I, I mentioned brownies because I love them. Amy. Anyway. You know, when you cook brownies, you throw them in the oven. They cook up. You know, they get that crispy top on them, you know, crispy sides. That's why I like them. I like to butter my pan because you put a lot of butter in the pan. You stick them brownies down in there. After they're done, the edges taste buttery. Shundai. Anyhow, so (laughs) I'm going to put them in a waffle iron one day with some butter. Oh, get under the anointing here. Anyhow. So when, when, you're, when you're cooking brownies, I don't know about y'all, but when the buzzer goes off, you know, different ovens heat things different ways. When, when the buzzer goes off, you know, they, they recommend uh, take a toothpick. Stick it down in the middle of them brownies. If it comes out dirty, stick them in for a little bit longer because guess what? They're not done. They're, you know, they might be half-baked. You ever, you ever heard anybody use that term, half-baked? You know, there's a bunch of Christians that are half-baked. There's a bunch of... Now, I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just spitting truth here. There's a lot of Christians that are half-baked. Some of us that are in this building are half-baked. Not, and, and most of us, it's not intentional. It's just that we don't go through whatever we need to go through to make sure that we're completely done. And so because we're only half-baked, we're undone. Maybe that's what Isaiah was saying when he said, I am undone. You know what? I haven't come to completion. I haven't made it through the whole. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. But if the church is filled with undone people, guess what? That means we're going to have to put up with some undoneness. Are y'all hearing me today? You can't run away from undoneness when it's all around you. Now, now here's the thing: I, that that fella, you know what I found out later? That fella is an able minister of the gospel. Most of the time, he hits the target. Most of the time. Unfortunately, that day, I don't know what it was. Maybe he didn't, hadn't had breakfast. Uh, maybe it's too early in the morning. I don't know. I don't know if he had pizza the night before. And maybe the signal wasn't clear. Maybe the antenna was broke. I don't know. Maybe he felt the pressure from that church, from that pastor, to get over in the, in the spirit and prophesy when the spirit of God really wasn't on him to prophesy. And so he got off into himself. I don't know. I don't know what it was that happened, but whatever happened, it it was off. Then he, then he started prophesying over me. The first thing he said over me was God's about to take you out of this country. I knew he had missed it. I mean, immediately from the moment those words came out of his mouth, because you know what the Lord, the first thing that God told me is this. I will never send you out of this nation. I've called you to this nation. You will labor in this country. He said, if, if, if it don't happen for you here, it ain't happening for you anywhere. He said, people will try to woo you because they'll say it's easier over here. Miracles are abounding over here. He says, and you'll be tempted to go. He said, but I don't want you to go. He said, I've called you to contend for miracles in this nation. I've called you to contend for revival, not in an easy place, but in a difficult place. Come on now, church. There are so many people that are looking for the easy road and for the convenient road, and for. It's not easy when you have three of out of twelve disciples have an encounter with Jesus. That listen, that to, in my mind, that kind of encounter would have been bene, would would have been beneficial for the entire bunch. That could have helped them all. But you know what? We don't see what God sees. We don't know all that he knows. And we don't know why he chose to take those three and deal with them in the way that you know, he did and Jesus be transfigured before. Not only was Jesus transfigured before. Let's read on. Because uh, I don't want to stay there. Oh my gosh, this is taking way too long. He was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun. His raiment became white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. So not only did Jesus transfigure, but Moses and Elijah popped up next to him and were talking with him. Can you imagine that? Imagine if all of a sudden this this whole place became illuminated and all of a sudden I was transfigured before you and my clothes became white like no fuller on earth can white them. And and Moses pops up and and Elijah pops up and Jesus pops up and y'all are just sitting here looking. Listen, you think that would be a good thing for everyone to see, for everyone to encounter. It was certainly impactful because Peter says, uh, to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Uh, if, if, it, if it's okay with you, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. And this is why he did this. You know, we'll come up with all kinds of things in our head that we need to do when we're in that kind of a situation. Some people will have these encounters with God right in front of our eyes and us not have them. People that do have them, though, they come up with lots of ideas. Peter came up with this idea. He says, let's make three tabernacles. And it says he, he did this. He said, it, it says, because uh, he didn't know what to do. But while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of that cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Amen. Hear ye him. In other words, God was saying this. You think this is the greatest thing you've ever seen, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You think this is the biggest thing you're going to see? Boy, you hadn't seen nothing yet. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face. They were so afraid. Jesus came, touched them. He said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. So he tells these disciples that had this, this extraordinary encounter. Um, I, know I, I know you saw this, but don't tell nobody. In other words, it was just for them. Don't tell nobody till I'm gone. After I'm gone, you can tell about it all you want to. But don't tell nobody till I'm gone. Does that seem fair? No. In, the, in, in our minds, it doesn't seem fair. But you know, the biggest, the biggest lesson Jesus was glory to God. Hallelujah. The biggest lesson Jesus was glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands for a second and thank God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. (laughs) Glory, glory, glory. The biggest lesson I think that these disciples learned here was when Peter said, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Eli. We have a tendency to want to build altars at the last great encounter that we had with God. We want to camp out and we want to stay at the last place where we met with him. And the voice of God coming out of that cloud was telling those disciples, you can't camp here. You can't build three tabernacles here. This is just the beginning. This is only the beginning of, of extraordinary things that you're going to see. I mean, th- just just Peter alone. Just think about Peter alone. Later on, he got a revelation of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You know, uh, he, he, they they uh, they saw they they heard a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and saw cloven tongues like as a fire. Peter was one of the ones that was at the gate, beautiful when the when the lame man walked. Peter was the one who the Spirit of God was on him so strong that his shadow passing by people, uh, they received their healing as his shadow passing over them. Peter was the one that was on the rooftop when he fell into a trance and God showed him how that he was going to take and pour out his spirit upon the Gentiles just like he had poured out his spirit upon the Jews. I mean, Peter, Peter of all people, here he was. He was ready to camp at that place, erect three tabernacles, one to Jesus, one to Moses, and one to Elias. Imagine all that he would have missed out on if he would have camped out at that place. If he had started and not finished. See, that's, that's my message today. That, that's what I want to share with you today is you don't want to start on this journey and then not go all the way through to the end. I'm going to tell you something. You're, there are going to be times when God touches you and does extraordinary things in your life, and then there are going to be times that you witness God do extraordinary things in others, and it seems like he keeps his hand completely off of you. And the fact that you don't have the same encounters as other people have is no indication of whether or not you're you're right with God or not. Whether you're where you need to be with God or not. You know what? Sometimes God just takes a hankering to do something for someone that doesn't include you. You know, sometimes we go to church, and if we don't feel like God spoke directly to us, if we didn't get a warm buzzy or a numb tingly, if we didn't get chicken skin or feel a hikomo shy, uh, we, well, well, you know, I guess it was okay. Okay for you, but what about, what about the people that were transformed? Yeah, I think they were putting on. Why? Because you didn't feel it? Maybe, maybe, maybe though, if we came every time positioning ourselves, believing, exercising our faith that God would touch us, and then maybe if we rejoiced when God touched somebody else. You know, wouldn't it be crazy if no one could tell the difference between whether or not you were receiving or not? Whether you were getting something extra. They couldn't tell by your praise. They couldn't tell by your praying. They couldn't tell by your worship. They couldn't tell by your response to the preaching. They couldn't tell who was, who was having a mount of transfiguration experience and who it was that, that was just pressing in and believing that God would touch them. Glory to God. Glory to God. Think, of, yeah. think about this, church. Can, we, can I show you another scripture? Oh, Turn to someone say, it's time to finish. Time to finish. I know, not the message, but what's time to finish. Okay, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get up out of here, I promise. I think there might be some tacos left over. We can bring them in, split them up. We'll, we'll, we'll bless it, break it, and disperse it. Go, go, go with me real quick to the book of something. Uh, Mark. Mark chapter 5. Run, run, run. Mark chapter 5. Turn to someone one more time. Say, it's time to finish. It's It's more important that you finish than start. It's more important that you finish than start. You know what? You don't have to finish first. You just have to finish. You don't even have to place. You just have to finish. Well, I've seen, I've seen, some, I've seen some people, you know, Hilda one time, she ran a, uh, she ran a marathon, a full marathon. I'm going to tell you right now, she told everybody and I don't blame her. You don't, listen, if I ran 30 something miles, listen, you, how was it? Okay. twenty-seven. thank you, Ms. Rhonda for the correction. I'm going to tell you right now, if I ran t- 10 miles, y'all are going to hear about it. I walked 50 miles in five days at Disney. Y'all haven't stopped hearing about it. But when when Hilda ran that marathon, remember when she came in, Miss Rhonda, from in church after she ran, I don't know if you remember. She came in, she had that medal around her neck. Some people was like, is she wearing that medal? I said, she is. They're like, why? I said, dude, she just ran 26 miles. I probably said 30-something. But anyway... You know what? And here's the thing there actually, people wouldn't want to celebrate that. Uh So what? Dude, you don't even go, you won't even run from your couch to your car. But you know what? You know what I never asked Hilda, and I still don't know to this day? What place did you come in? You know why? Because it didn't matter what place she came in. It didn't matter what place. You know what? I didn't care what place she came in. She could have come in. Da- I didn't even ask. Did, was it still light outside when she finished, David? Okay. Because you know what? It wouldn't have been light outside when I finished. It would have been like a SpongeBob episode. Three days later. <laughs> Listen, I'd have, had a, I'd, have had a, I'd have had a bag of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> it would have been just like that too. <laughs> I've been popping munchkins. <laughs> That's donut holes. I didn't ask her what place she came in. She wore that. I said, you finished. You know what? Because when it comes to spiritual matters, the prize doesn't go to those who start. The prize goes to those who Amen. Amen. God didn't create you just to start. God created you to finish. God, it's the devil that has tried to program you to not be a finisher. And to be okay with it. Come on, some of you got to shake yourself. Some of you started on a journey just in the natural to better your life, to better yourself, to make something of yourself better than what your family was, better than what you came out of. Some of you came. Listen, when I grew up, my, we were on welfare. Mexican, yes. We, we, my mom would send us to the store with food stamps. We, listen, we, we thought it was a good thing that we had special money. We came in because it used to be paper food stamps, all different colors. We'd rip them bad boys off. Man, we felt like we was something. We'd like, (laughs) had no idea this was not something uh, uh, honorable. When I listen, I'd go to school and I'd line up, get my lunch, and they'd say, Your lunch is free. And then there'd be someone behind me have to give them a ticket, have to give them some money and pay for their lunch. I was like, you loser, you got to pay for your lunch. I had no idea I was the loser. I was oblivious. I had no idea the reason why I got free lunch is because we was poor. We weren't even poor. We was poor. We couldn't afford the last O.R. When you grow up in that, are y'all hearing me today? When you grow up in that kind of an environment. Do you know, do you know why, you know why the devil wants people to live in that kind of environment? Because God didn't create us to live in that kind of, you know what? God didn't create you to be under. He created you to be over. Did you hear what I just said? When God told man in the garden, when God told him what he wanted him to do, he said, I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over all the creeping things and everything that crawleth upon the earth. I want you over it all. Amen. When God created us, he didn't create us to be under. He created us to be over. That's why every time you get under, you fight to get over. Because God didn't make you to be under. The only one you were made to be under. Glory to God. And I love the way the Bible puts it. He is the king of. Kings. And he is the Lord of. Lord. Now most people don't think about it. But the kings he is king over. The Bible says we are kings priests. Yeah. The only one we under is the king over kings. Oh, and the Amen. Now, see, some of you, some of you, look, some of you look at me right now, you're like, wait a minute. Some of, some of y'all done got used to living so low that if now you feel normal, like that's where you belong. I think that's a part of the reason why people get challenged when they come to Winner's Church. Because I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about in every area of life. Amen. Listen, you shouldn't be competing in the workforce. <laughs> Because you're not a competitor. God didn't, God, didn't, God didn't make you a competitor. God made you a dominator. You don't compete. You dominate. You're over. You're the head. You're not the tail. You're above. You're not beneath. Glory to God. You've got to remind yourself and remind the devil of who God created you to be. You're not just a starter. You're a finisher. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I'll let Hilda get up here and talk for, for a little bit. I reckon that last six or seven miles was the hardest six or seven miles she's probably ever run in her whole entire life. By then, your hips are hurting, your knees are hurting, your ankles are hurting, you're out of breath. I bet it felt like she was breathing fire those last few miles that she ran across that finish line. Are y'all hearing this today? Some of you acting like the trial and the difficulty and the trouble that you're going through are like somehow you ought to be pitied. What you you ought you ought to be pitied because God chose you because He put His hand upon you because He's raising you up to be something to be something extraordinary. Some of you confused why am I going through this? Really? You don't know why you're going through this? When other people aren't going through what you're going through? You trying to figure out why you're going through? Maybe because God called you to do something extraordinary. Maybe he set you apart to be different. Maybe he set you apart to walk to the beat of a different drum. Amen. Maybe if you maybe if you'd quit trying to Gather around and hang around those people that want to be common. See, some of you that are visiting this church, you don't want, maybe you're visiting this church because you're looking for a home church. If you're looking for a home church, don't go to some home church that you fit in. Because most of the time, God don't call us to places where we fit in. He, he calls us to play, You know, usually he calls us to places that will challenge things in our life that need challenged. That will shake up things that need to be shaken. And you know what we try to do? Well, you know, Lord sent me here to try to straighten y'all out. No, he sent you here to straighten you out. Wow, I'm preaching. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish because I have to here. I'd rather I'd really rather keep you, but I was in a, I was in a, I was in a service where I was pressing in. I was really wanted God to touch me. It seemed like God was touching everybody but me. I was disappointed because we want to be touched by God. I'm no different than y'all. If if it looks like everybody's getting a touch and I'm not, I'm I'm I got my hands up in there. But that's the thing with me is I don't sit there and be like, well, yeah. Must be nice. No, man, I go to I go to pressing in. I go to pressing in. And I I remember this fella, he was with me there. He's an associate pastor of this church. And I mean, I'm 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 pressing in. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't know whether the Lord, the, the, the preacher up there, he said, man, I feel the glory of God. I was like, wonderful. I don't. Now, here, here's the thing. Either this guy was really experiencing the glory of God and I was missing out. Or, you know, or whatever was happening, God was just touching him. But I wanted to find out because I, I wanted to touch. I needed, I, I'm like, Lord, I need you. I need you just like they need you. So I start pressing in. Well, you know, when you start pressing in, when you, when you go into an environment where everybody is pressing in, you can't tell who's getting it and who ain't getting it. Because the posture's the same. Now, when, you can, when, when the Spirit of God is moving, like this morning during worship, how many of you would agree with me if I said the Spirit of God was working during worship here today? Amen. Now, listen, let me, let me say this. If you can look around the room and tell who's really getting it and who ain't, there's some posturing that has to change. I, I know some of you don't believe me, but let me read it to you. So Mark chapter five, I'm, I'm, I'll finish with this and, then, and the testimony of being in that revival where I was pressing in. Well, let me tell you that first, and then we'll read. I was pressing in. I was pressing in, and I came came three nights. I pressed in for three nights. I pressed in, man. I was really pushing. I never did did receive what others seemed to receive. But then the Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me about him. I can tell you all that he said. But he spoke to me about what was going on. And uh, after he spoke to me, it was settled in my heart. So the guy that was sitting next to me, he had been there for two of the three days that I was there, and then he went on vacation with his family. Well, when he got back from vacation, he called me on the phone. He said, hey, man, how'd that revival go? I said, well, I was a little disappointed. I said, I I didn't receive a thing, you know, as far as, you know, uh, extraordinary like it seemed others were. He said, you didn't? I said, no. He said, you sure looked like you was receiving to me. Had your hands up in the air. You was praying. You looked like you was receiving just like everybody else because when you're pressing in and you're posturing yourself for God to touch you it looks exactly the same as people that are getting it oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pastor Annie was in a heap cuz she got something but I've seen her in a heap when she was trying to get something The posture is the same Now let me when you don't when you don't position yourself like Peter like Peter did Peter instead of Peter Instead of Peter taking in this extraordinary encounter with the Spirit of God and seeing Jesus, he starts coming up with ideas because he doesn't know what to do. Let's build three tabernacles. I know it didn't say it in the in the um, part, the one that we read, but in the other Gospels, it says he he didn't know. He said that because he didn't know what to say because he was afraid. So he just started talking. Sometimes you just keep your mouth shut. You know what I'm saying? But what he was, that, that experience that he was having, he's, he's trying to keep that for that moment. He's trying to stay in that moment. Not realizing that God doesn't want him to stay in that moment. This is just one moment in many that will lead him to the finish line. The important thing was the posture. Had he postured himself by building an altar and staying there, he wouldn't have finished. See, some of you got saved and that was good enough. Some of you got saved, and that's where you built the altar of your life. Well, you know what? It's just about being saved. You, you got entire churches. It's like, it's about the cross. If you get back to preaching the cross. Get the, Well, you know what? Jesus ain't on the cross no more. Right. Right. Now, preaching of the cross is extremely important. Don't get me wrong. Right. But Jesus ain't on the cross right. no more. There was, a, there was a cross, there was a death, there was a burial, there was a resurrection, there was a day of Pentecost. There were lots of things. There have been different dispensations that have happened since, since Jesus left planet Earth and went to sit at the right hand of God the Father. But we get stuck in our favorite place. Some of you stuck at the altar where you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some of you still stuck at the last experience you had during revival at, what, earlier this year in this church. But I'm going to show you the posturing. Mark, Mark chapter 5. I'm, I'm, I'll finish with this. Verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things, many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now notice there's a woman 12 years, Talisha, not 12 minutes, not 12 days. Not 12 weeks, not 12 months, 12 years. This church, let, let me ask you a question. Some of you wouldn't even be here as a member of this church if from day one of coming to this church, you struggled and didn't get better but got worse. Imagine coming and being here, and getting—not getting better, getting worse. Suffering many things of many physicians, many people. Spent all, not, not only that, she spent everything that she had, and was nothing better, but grew worse. You do realize that that woman went as long as for as long as this church has been in existence, was as long as that woman went through and endured what she endured. I'm going to tell you right now, glory to God. Glory to God. Verse 27, look what it says. When she had heard of Jesus. She came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now look at this. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thonging thee? And... And sayest thou, who touched me? So what did did his disciples say? Jesus, you asking us who touched you, who hadn't touched you? The disciples couldn't identify who had received and who hadn't received based on what they could see because what they saw, everyone looked the same. They were all touching him. Did all of them receive the same thing? No, there was one out of all that touched him that received an answer to a 12-year-long fight. And immediately. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I've had I've had God do lots of stuff. Miss Rhonda, I've seen the Lord do Lots of extraordinary things. Y'all have heard me talk some of, I've seen God fill people's teeth with silver and gold. I've literally watched it happen before my eyes. I've watched, I've watched I, I, there was a guy over in Purcell, Oklahoma. He's a pastor of a church. He died in the middle of a miracle service that we were having in Purcell. Literally died on the front pew. Uh, w- the only thing we can guess is that he had a massive heart attack. Uh, he, he fell over. Uh, there were paramedics there. They were taking his pulse. They were listening to his heart. Gil, it was the craziest thing that ever happened to me, probably in my entire ministry. That pastor was dead. And he he wasn't just dead for a little while. After he died and I put my hand on him, I'm like, what do I do do here? You know, what am I going to do? And the paramedic asked me, he said, he looked at me, he said, Brother Ziggy, do you want us to do what we do or are you going to do what you've been preaching all week? I was about to tell him to get out the defibrillator. Because my head said, this guy's dead. We watched him quit breathing. His heart stopped. They said, they, those paramedics, they said, he's gone. What are you going to do? Before I could get out of my mouth, get him out of here and, and, and resuscitate him, out of, out of my spirit came, and I mean came out loud. i out of my spirit, I said, I went to say something else. But out of my spirit, I said, you're not dying in this meeting. I surprised at what came out of my mouth. And then a prayer started coming out. I command you in the name of Jesus to come back. You know what, Gil? He didn't come back. 15 minutes later. 15, this guy is dead. His wife is sitting next to him. She is beside herself, freaking out. Fifteen minutes after we started that prayer, this guy takes in a breath, stands up as he's take craziest thing I ever saw in my life while he's taking a breath. He stands up. this guy is his lips are black. His skin is gray. And as he takes in this breath and stands up, the color begins to pour back into his body like someone's pouring. It it was strange. It was like all of a sudden someone painted the color back into him. And, And he breathes this deep breath in. And then he lets out. He starts praying in tongues. And at the end of the praying in tongues, he opens his eyes and he looks at me and he says, thank you. I knew him. I said, Pastor Dwayne, what happened? He said, I was, and he pointed. He said, I was right up there, right over the baptistry. He said, I was there. He said, I could feel heaven pulling me. He said, and the only thing that held me here was that you were standing in front of me praying. He said, I heard Jesus say, it's not time for you, Dwayne. He's like, Lord, I'm ready. He's like, it's not time for you. He said, besides, he ain't going to let you go. That's so what he told him. He said, he ain't letting you go. You're going to have to go back. He said, but Lord, I don't want to go back. He's like, you're going to have to go back. He said, the minute Jesus said he had to go back, it was like a magnet drew him into his body again. And that's when he stood up and God gave him another, I can't remember was it another five years. And when he died, he died of a massive heart attack in a very similar fashion. His wife told us, it was in their bedroom, it was, on, it was one morning, they woke up, he sat up on the bed, she said, Brother Ziggy, he looked exactly the way he looked that night when he was raised from the dead. He turned pasty gray, his lips turned black, he fell over just like he did then, but he didn't come back. And, and the Lord told me, he said, I blessed you with five more years with your husband that night at Revival. So listen, I've seen, I've seen lots of, you, you think if you see stuff like that, it would uphold you, it would sustain you it would preserve you. But you know what? That's not what upholds you and sustains you and preserves you. Because in the time of trouble, Brandon, I remembered all those things that God did. But you know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to get on our pity pot and say, oh, woe is me. Why hadn't he done it for me? Lord, why have you, you get like like Elijah. (laughs) I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me too. You did all kinds of stuff for everybody else, Lord. And God did stuff for Elijah. Man, you could see all kinds of miracles and all kinds of all that stuff. And it's good. Don't get me wrong. You ought to rejoice when you see that stuff. But you know, you want to know the stuff that upholds you and sustains you and preserves you and lifts you up? It's the stuff that God does for you. When he's transfigured before you and it affects you and he changes you as a result of it. Amen. This woman with the issue of blood. All those people saw it happen, but the only one left there transformed was the woman that got the touch. That's right. yes, that's right. Those disciples, they must have thought Jesus was crazy. Who touched you? For the, last, for the last 25 miles, everybody's been touching you. Right. That's right. You know, but Jesus, he could stand up all over the place so I know I'm finished. Jesus, Jesus immediately identified the, the woman. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen, I, my, my prayer is that you, you guys will I'm not, you know, this isn't a message to try to, I'm not trying to uh, harp on nobody. I, I, I'm trying to equip you all to be finished. You say, well, pastor, how do we, how do we do that? I'll tell you how you do it. You don't, you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. You don't walk by feelings. You don't even walk by supernatural encounters. You receive them. You allow those things to change your life. You know, let, let God do what he's going to do in them. But don't build an altar there. Don't get stuck there. I had a woman one time, she's like, I've been praying for my husband for years to get born again. Same, it was the same revival where that pastor died. I've been praying for my husband for years for him to get born again. She said, will you pray with me? Will you agree with me? I said, yeah, I'll agree with you. I said, Is it, can you get him to come to the revival? She goes, I don't know. He, he's real leery. He don't, I, she's like, I don't think he'd like you. You're, you're loud and he don't like that kind of stuff. I said, well, try to trick him. Try to trick him and get him to come. She's like, you think he'll, I said, I don't know. Here's the deal. I don't know what's going to work. I don't know. You know what? We don't, we don't know. honestly. That woman with the issue of blood, she worked her faith. I guarantee guarantee that um, in her head, she probably wasn't certain whether or not that was her day or not. But she's going to try. All them other people was trying. You know what? The next night, that woman dragged her husband through the door. He's just an old farmer. He's real laid back. I got up there. I started preaching, Miss Rhonda. He looked at me. Boy, he looked at me crooked for real. He's like, There are several times he whispered something in her. I don't know what, what he said. She rolled her eyes. I'm sure he was saying stuff about me. And then at the end of the service, started to illuminate. I I saw the Spirit of God on him. And the Lord showed me his shoulder. I said, sir, your shoulder. I said, what's wrong with your shoulder? He said, well, I, he said, I injured it years ago in an accident. I said, does it cause you pain? He says, cause me great pain. I said, uh, has it affected the mobility of that shoulder? He said, yes. And he lifted up his arms and one of his arms went straight up in the air and the other one, the, the one that was injured, he could only get it this high. I said, so it gives you pain. And I took and I pushed on a little bit. He goes, <gasps> I, said, I said, so it does give you pain if, if you try to put it. He said, yes. He almost slapped me. I said, put your arms down, sir. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if Jesus healed you today, would you accept him as your savior? Would you give your heart to him? Would you receive him today? If in his name you were healed. He said, you better believe it. I said, sir. I said, if the Lord healed you today, would you shout in front of all these people and give praise to God? I said, would you dance? You a little dance and give glory to God for what He did for you in front of all these people? He said, He said, you you're darn right, I would. You could tell he was gonna say something else, but he fixed it. Cherie, this is literally how it happened. Ted, you you had to have been there that night. I grabbed that guy by the arm. I I grabbed his arm. He's standing there. I grabbed that arm and I went like this. I said, said, in the name of Jesus. And that arm went straight up. Listen, that guy, his eyes filled with tears. I said, sir, you have an assignment. He went to shout and he threw the other arm up. He went, He's like, glory to God. And then he did the best little dance he could do. I even danced with him so he wouldn't be embarrassed. And I led him in a sinner's prayer and he gave his heart to Jesus that night. I know some of you said, why did you tell that story? I'm gonna tell you. That man came to that revival. We were in that revival for 10 weeks, 10 or 15 weeks we were in that revival that man came to that he was there an hour early every day him and his wife he wanted to have Saturday service the only day we had off he wanted to have Saturday can you come on Saturday I'll come if nobody else comes I'll come I'll give you a good offering he's like I'll make it worth your while this wasn't in too. this was in Purcell this wasn't in some some pygmy tribe in wherever this was Purcell, Oklahoma and it wasn't in the 1950s. It was in the 1990s. After about two weeks, this woman came to me that her husband had been touched. She goes, Brother Ziki. I said, yes. She goes, I said, how about that? How about your husband? She said, I know. I can't believe it. It's a miracle. I said, isn't it? I said, isn't God good She said, well, the Lord is good, she said, but I can't stand this man. I said, what are you talking about? She said, all he wants to do is go to church. I tried to get him to stay home so we could go out to dinner and he won't stay home. She said, I think you created a monster. The very thing that this woman had been asking God to finish for her, she didn't like the way he did because now she has to live a higher life. Can you believe that? You know, when you when you set out for God to finish things and you get ready, yes. what He started, He'll be faithful to complete it. Tell someone what He started, He'll complete. Has this helped anybody here today? Amen. I don't care what you're going through in life. I don't care where you're at. Like today, you could listen. Today can be the beginning of you finishing your course in the name of Amen. Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. Father, we thank you. Lord, you're so good. We're so grateful, God, for your goodness. We're thankful, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for what you've begun in this house. We know, Lord, what you started here at Winners. You're going to finish with us corporately. Lord, what You started in us individually, You're gonna finish it. You're gonna finish it. That individually, Lord, we're going to step over, and we're gonna finish the race that was set before us. Whether it means that we're like Paul, sitting in prison. I know we're praying, but let me let me look at me for a second, y'all. Do you know the Bible? Do you know Paul he said this? He said, I've run my race, I have finished my course. Do you know where he wrote that at? He was in prison. And you know what historians say? That when Paul wrote that, he was in prison and he could hear them building, building the gallows on which he would be martyred. He could hear them building the very thing that would end his life. And here's what he said, I ran my race. I finished my, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying we accept the hard, you go through it though. You get to the other side, you get to the other side. You know what? No one is exempt. Some, some people feel like other people have it better than they have. Nobody has it better than you have it. When I go out and preach and do ministry and I encourage people, I'm like, listen, come to church. Brother I I can't come to church. We've got things. There's things that we got to get done at the house. Guess what? I have a house that has things that need to get done, too. But you know what? I I got to finish my course. I got to run my race. But you, yeah, Brother Z, but we have kids. Oh, I have some of them, too. Yeah, but we got bills that we got to get. Guess what? I have those too. Imagine that. I well, well I got to work. Oh, me too. It's my wife's birthday. My wife has one of those too. They're having a party. People have party in my family too. All these I got car problems. <gasps> me too. My car was talking to me this morning, telling me, I'm jacked up. Take me in. You know, your car is getting far along when it when it when, when you wake up and you turn it on, it says, fix me. He's <laughs> like, you're not gonna get far with me. Not not until you fix me. Got to quit making excuses. And we've got to start hunkering down and pressing in. Father, we thank you. So, Lord, I pray that today as we as we meditate on your word, as we allow it to sink in and penetrate to the depths of our being, Lord, that transformation will come, that we'll have a greater resolve from today forward to finish the race. To cross the finish line, no matter what it looks like, that we'll continue to live in victory and in joy and in peace, even when the devil plans for our destruction. Lord, your word says no weapon formed against us would prosper, but it doesn't say the weapons won't be formed. I will not fear the weapon, Lord, even though it is formed against me. It won't prosper. And Lord, you said every tongue that rises against me. Lord, you didn't say tongues wouldn't rise against me, but you said when they did, when they did. So I will not pay attention when they do. Because I have a promise from you that every one of those words will drop to the ground and they will fail. But you will watch over your word, over me to perform it in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. So, Father, let your hand rest mightily upon each one that's here today. Lord, we're so grateful for all that you've done. Listen, if you're in this place today and you're not serving the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, if you're here today and you need to surrender your heart to the Lordship of Jesus, you know, maybe you've served the Lord in the past, but you're not serving him like you should right now. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. If you're here and you need to receive him today, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. You say, what do I need to do? Well, you need to respond to what, what the Holy Spirit's saying to you in your inner man. Some of you, you feel the sting of conviction. You feel like God has his finger upon you and he's asking you to surrender yourself to him. So if you're here today and you're not serving the Lord like you should, or if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to come and to receive from Him. If you're here and you need to get it straight, I want you to come right now. Come on, come. Is there anyone? Is there anyone that needs prayer today? That needs to give their heart to the Lord? Praise God. Come on, come. Come and stand here with me. Come and face me. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Is there any? Amen. Is there anyone else? Is it, you, here's, the, here's the deal. Some of you are like, well, you know, I'm, I, I asked Jesus to come in my heart when I was two. Yeah, but if you stepped away when you was four and you hadn't come back. If you're out of fellowship with God. And here's the thing. I don't want you coming here because you feel guilty for me talking. But if God's Spirit has convicted you, if right now in your inner man the Spirit of God is saying, "Get up there," that you got no business staying in your chair, you need to be at this altar. No, mat- no matter what the reason, if God's drawing you to this altar, you need to be at this altar. Is there anyone else? Listen, let's make quick work of this. Turn around, ask people. Amen. Turn around, ask people around you. Ask them if they need, if they need. Uh, To come to the altar. Tell them if they need to come, you'll come with them. If they're reluctant, you'll come with them. All right, everyone's been asked. I, I get bold. Listen, definitely be pushing people to do stupid stuff all the time. I, pu- I push people to do what's right. right, right. We're going to pray together right now. When we pray together today, we're not going to pray out of our heads. We're going to pray out of that place where God's spirit has touched us. Maybe you've said, maybe you've said a prayer like this 100, 200 times before. But today, there's going to be a difference. Today, we're going to agree together, and the Bible says where any two agree touching anything on earth it will be done for them by their Father, which is in heaven. Today we're going to agree together that there's going to be a transformation take place in your life, and that from today forward, you're never going to be the same. Are you going to face difficulties? Are you going to face adversities? Are you going to face circumstances that are troubling? Absolutely. Amen. But you're not going to face them the way you faced them before. You're going to face them knowing that because of what Jesus has done. You're not going to to get the victory. You already have the victory. Amen. That's why we called this place Winner's Church. You're not going to. When God created you, he created you to win. If you're a born again believer, you're not a loser. You're a winner. You only become a loser if you entertain that nonsense. We're not entertaining it here. So I'm I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat it with me. I want everybody in this place to repeat this prayer with me. I want you to meet it with all of your heart. And let the Lord Jesus do his work in you today. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. Forgive me. Wash me in your blood. Take my life in your hands. I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you Lord I need you today more than I needed you yesterday so fill me Lord fill me full of your spirit so I can live in victory from today forward thank you Lord thank you for forgiving me thank you for saving me thank you for filling me I receive it today. today. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to pray for y'all that have come. If you'll just lift up your hands for a moment. Father, I thank you for these that are here, that have come. Lord, as I lay my hands upon them, I pray that your spirit would rest mightily upon them, Lord. Fill them to overflowing in the name of Jesus. Fill them to overflowing from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, Lord. God, I pray that today they'll receive from you. That today, God, everything that is not you will be eradicated. And everything that is you will be amplified and magnified. That it will come forth in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that they'll live for you all the days of their life. All the days of their life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Don't riende ni mesekere dreegdre base. John donamo rosso bongele jege de bega. Pala socor triansepanya in the namasequela in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for these that are. Amen. 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 Listen, I'm glad y'all came up here today. Today is the beginning of the greatest days of your life. Amen. You're not just starting. You're going to finish in Jesus' name. Hey, listen. Y'all are finishers. You're not just starters. How many of you received this today? Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm so glad you came today. I praise God for every one of you. Listen, feel free to hang out and fellowship, and as long as you want to, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't feel led of the Spirit to do anything else here uh, this, this morning or this afternoon now. But I'm I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we're just a part of the family of God. So if you're interested in becoming a part of this fellowship, if you're interested in becoming a part of Winners Church, make sure that you talk to someone who is a member of this church. You can, you can identify them. They're the people that have introduced themselves to you and shaken your hand and, and all of that. And honestly, you know, some some people are like, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a place to go to church. I always tell people, hey, welcome home. Welcome home. Uh, there's a place for you here at Winter's Church. And, and, and you can find it. You can find that place. Amen. But make sure that you let these folks know how much you love them and keep them in your prayers as they begin a new journey after today even though it's not maybe their first time praying this prayer some of them you know we we start new journeys all the time and we need we need people to agree with this all right tomorrow night healing room no is that right tomorrow night's healing tomorrow night healing room I, who's who's preaching healing room? nakia nakia's preaching healing room i wouldn't miss it for the world seven o'clock we'll be here and then wednesday night koinonia Listen, if you've never been to Koinonia, it can seem a little bit uh, intimidating going to someone's house. Don't let that keep you. It is amazing when we get together for Koinonia. There'll be food. There'll be fellowship. We'll, we'll talk about this. You'll have an opportunity to share what the Lord said to you to, about today's message on Wednesday night and then, on, on, uh, of course, on uh, Friday, every Friday. We have outreach, and Bricktown Outreach will happen this coming Friday. We'll go into the streets of Oklahoma City, minister the gospel to people. And, uh, and of course, we're back here next Sunday. Same Holy Ghost time. Glory to God. Same Holy Ghost channel. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting the Lord to do greater things in the days to come. This is a season of extraordinary miracles. Amen. So listen. Go in his presence before you leave here. Love someone because you do. I'll see some of you back here tomorrow. Many of you during Koinonia. And I'll see all of you back here next week. Some of you on Friday night. Sheree will see you. But I'll see all of you here next week. In Jesus name. Amen.